Hello everybody and welcome back to 2022 and the first episode in the new year of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket. I'm your host Peter Delapena and I hope everybody has enjoyed the first month of the new year. I took the time over the last five weeks to recharge my batteries. One of the few times I haven't been on the road took the opportunity to spend some time with my family. Hopefully they remember what I look like now. It's one of the few times I've been at home for more than four weeks at a time so i wanted to take the opportunity to just spend that time with them i hope everybody else is enjoying their new year thus far but we pick up for the first episode of calendar year 2022 by continuing the interview with former Lauderhill mayor richard kaplan in the last episode of 2021 which we put out between christmas and new year's Mayor Kaplan talked about a lot of his experiences in politics in Florida, where he has played a pivotal role spreading the gospel of cricket by helping to get the approvals for the construction of what turned out to be now known as the Broward County Stadium, originally the Central Broward Regional Park in Lauderhill, which is the first ODI accredited venue in America. And Mayor Kaplan talks a bit more about his escapades and battles with various cricket administrators during the Usaka era and other individuals he's come across in his time in local politics in Florida and the influence that he has tried to have in a positive way in the cricket community, not just in Florida, but USA and the world. So we'll talk about that. First, I want to remind everybody, the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast, presented by Dream Cricket, is also sponsored by Moose Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas. For more information, Call 713-534-2195. That's Moosa Cricket Stadium in Pearland, Texas. You mentioned before about the issues with USACA and the inability to get games scheduled on a regular basis to really bring in the revenue that had been dreamed of when the stadium was first being built and all the issues with that. But another problem was a lack of interest by the local media. And this is another quote from you in one of the previous interviews I've done with you, where you talk about things like the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, World Series, NCAA basketball tournaments, BCS National Championship Games, all those sorts of things, huge events that South Florida has hosted uh, have brought exposure nationally and internationally. But then you talk about the things like reference before in the, in the last topic the importance of overseas media bringing exposure to water hill and all the people in india who'd heard of water hill for the first time who didn't know about Fort Lauderdale, for example and you had a quote that said i will find out more about this game by reading foreign press coverage than i will from my own local paper where the game is at i'm a little disappointed about it so in terms of the role of the local media whether it's the miami herald or the south florida sun sentinel or local TV broadcast affiliates, NBC, ABC, NBC, Fox, whatever, CBS. Whenever I've attended games at the stadium, that's something that's always stood out to me. You'll find whoever's the visiting team or team traveling in from out of town, whatever, there'll be traveling media that comes with them. But you look around, there's no local newspaper reporters. There's no local TV station affiliates filing a story from the venue. Why do you think the venue has struggled to get local media engaged for these kind of events and what do you think over the years could have been done differently to help garner more support locally so that the venue would have gained a much higher profile locally and would have perhaps helped get more events put on without so many of these struggles 
when we went to bid on the World Cup in 2007, we did get the Miami Herald and the Sun Sentinel. We did get a lot of coverage, and that failed. After that, the Miami Herald really doesn't cover Broward very much anymore unless it was a crime. The Sun Sentinel is kind of like that. They've cut back a lot. People in Lauder Hill or in the Caribbean community don't buy newspapers. So, you know, you put stories in there for people to read, but they don't really cover it. Uh, they don't read it. Uh, the news does a little bit here and there. The Sun Sentinel did have one reporter, Arun, I think his name was. I don't think he's there anymore. He's the only one in the entire staff that knew anything about cricket. And he was covering it somewhat. But just to show you how it has still continued on and gotten worse. You know that we just got announced that the West Indies and the United States are doing a joint, did a joint bid and are going to be the 2024 T20 World Cup hosts. And I have to presume that Lauder Hill is going to get games, uh, but they're looking to build a couple more facilities in the United States. And so it's a shared situation, which is really great. And I looked on the Sun Sentinel, and do you know they did not write one story about World Cup 2024? The Washington Post did. I saw papers in California did. But the host newspaper location didn't write a single article. So I'm not mayor anymore. And it really bothered me. So I wrote a letter to the editor about the fact that games are coming in the paper didn't write anything about it, which, so you know, did run in the letter to the editor print form, but did not run in the digital paper. Only in the print form did they run it. So in the Miami Herald didn't write anything that I know of. It, the event is gonna be bringing multi-million dollars to the South Florida community. Broward County and the city of Water Hill are going to be supporting it. I don't know what they're planning to do, but I'm hoping the event is so big and so promoted by the local community. The Sun Sentinel and Miami Herald are gonna be embarrassed by, what is all this promotion and everything going on? I see all this stuff on the street. I see all these people in hotels. I see all this stuff going on. There's nothing in the newspaper about it and they're totally ignoring it. It's, it's somewhat embarrassing that they don't even write a single article on it. Now, honestly, they don't have a reporter to cover Lauder Hill. They don't have a reporter that covers cricket, even though it should be in the sports section. But they do have reporters that do cover Broward County, and they could have written a Broward County article about it, announcing it. Or they could have done what which the Washington Post did. The AP put out a standard article, which ran in a lot of newspapers. They could have bought that article and put it in the Sun Sentinel. They didn't even have to assign a reporter. Though, honestly, they should have had their own reporter locally do it. When you see these things happening and you see other national outlets, like you cited the Washington Post and things on the West Coast and other outlets who mm -hmm. latch on to the news about USA getting the co-hosting bidding rights for the 2024 T20 World Cup, but your hometown media, like you say, in one of the, what is expected to be the main venues that would be used in the USA for 2024, Broward County yeah. Stadium in Water Hill, local media totally ignores it whether it's print or potentially TV as well. The, like I said, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox affiliates, not really giving it exposure. 
when you see things like that happening now, more than a decade after the stadium has opened, it opened in 2008, we're 13 years later, and yet the local media still continues to ignore it. Do you feel that it was worth it to put all that effort and energy to get the stadium built? Or do you feel like looking back, maybe it was the wrong decision? No, absolutely it was. And I'll tell you the reason why. The intent of the stadium was to build economic opportunities internationally. It wasn't for domestic so much, though I do have a dream that we should follow the MLS soccer model of creating teams and cities around the United States to play each other like MLS does, which I understand they're now, I brought this up years ago and they poo-pooed it, but now I understand they're actually looking at doing it where they're going to create a league throughout the country and they're going to play each other and do some traveling, which is great. But the intention was to bring economic opportunities internationally because South Florida is an international destination. It's not a domestic engine in that it's not like Dallas or Chicago. What we do best is to bring international connections to South Florida and into the United States, importing jobs, manufacturing, that kind of stuff. We're a transport hub. Like I say, we have three of the largest airports in the United States, three of the largest seaports in the United States. We are heavily connected into the Caribbean and to South America with good ties to Europe. We don't do Asian, really. That's really West Coast United States, California. That's really their thing. So that brings us international connections, international influence. It does bring economics to the region. You have a large percentage of Southeast Florida, which don't originally were not from the United States. At one time, South Florida was New York, New Jersey, some Midwest, while the West Coast of Florida is Midwest, uh, where I was, where I'm from originally. But they came down I-95. Well, now it's heavily South American, Caribbean American, and other parts of the world. So it, it's it's changed its demographics over the last 20, 30 years, totally. And uh, that's where the community needs to really develop itself. So for those cities that aren't doing that, they're behind Lauderhill and other communities that are developing it. And that's fine. It's our niche. It's what we were um, intending to do. Um, and I think we're trying, we're doing a pretty good job. We're trying to do the best we can. You mentioned the migration patterns to South Florida and the changing demographics over the years. And I mean, I remember my grandpa growing up in New Jersey, he retired down to South Florida. He retired to West Palm Beach. We would go down to West Palm Beach and visit him over the years when he was still alive. And you, even in the late nineties through the two thousands, you go down to South Florida. And one of the things that cracked me up is you turn on the radio station in the car and 880 on the radio dial was simulcast from New York City, WCBS New York, and in the 880 radio station, you could get it on the car in Florida, and there were a few other radio stations like that that catered to it, just symbolized all the yeah. people from New York that would come down to Florida, and you'd get some French radio stations as well, all the French Canadians that would come down from Montreal, down to South Florida oh, as well, yes. but now, more recently, you've got a hell of a lot more 
Spanish language stations, Spanish music stations, Spanish language stations in general, the changing demographics that that represents. And one of the things we touched on was, or you touched on was that because of the lack of cricket at the stadium, there's been a hell of a lot more interest and revenue generated by football and soccer teams renting out the facility. And I've seen more and more signage in the last five, six years for FC Barcelona and all the camps that they run at the stadium and the academy opportunities that they provide for young kids in South Florida that they're run out of the stadium. And more recently, I think that contract or that agreement ended and who took their place, PSG. Now, instead of seeing FC Barcelona signs with Lionel Messi and Neymar and all those guys with Barcelona jerseys on, now you see Paris Saint-Germain players in Paris really? Saint-Germain jerseys in, in the stadium, in the pavilion. And so now it's a PSG academy that is run out of the stadium. And that's still pumping a hell of a lot of more money than cricket does into the stadium. So I, mm-hmm. you wrote you wrote a letter to the ICC asking for help and pleading for help in the mid 2010s, wanting to get more cricket events in there to, because oh, a couple as you letters. said, that was one of them. Okay. But you said you were you again, you talked about it earlier. So you were afraid if there's not enough cricket being played there's always the risk that the venue could be converted instead of it being a multi-purpose facility where cricket is a feature tenant. They could dig up the square. They could dig up the cricket pitch and say, you know, we're going to turn it over full time to soccer because they're giving us the money we need to keep the facility open and keep the lights on. So even though USA has gotten this 2024 world cup bid, the past decade plus of history shows the threat is always there looming. You never know will cricket be sustainable beyond 2024, whether it's the World Cup or things like USA hosting Ireland, where that's the first historic event of a full member playing USA on home soil beyond 2024. What do you think needs to happen, whether through ICC help, USA Cricket help, or some other outlet to give confidence to the Lauderhill community and to the Broward County community that cricket can be sustainable beyond 2024 and that these fears that are ever lurking about cricket losing its place in the facility to another sport how, how do you see things taking shape beyond 2024 from that standpoint first of all from a political pressure point of view caribbean community and indian community in broad county is quite substantial so the elimination of cricket and a multi-purpose facility would not politically be the smartest thing to even attempt to do I understand they're trying to maximize the revenue potential, but it's not a profit center. It's a not-for-profit situation. If it makes some money, that's great. Then it can go, the extra money can go to other programs. But I would find it politically unsustainable if they eliminated cricket out of it, because it would hurt certain people quite a bit. But my understanding, and this was my hope years ago, My hope years ago was two things, one which is actually happening and one which I think is going to happen. One was a World Cup, and that's happening, but that's a one-off event. I mean, they can do it every 12 to 20 years, I guess. I don't know how often they, well, you know, they can, depending on what they do, maybe one day they'll do uh, the World Cup, not the T20, but the one days. That would be fascinating, but that's booked out, I think, into the 2030 region already. There has been talk of with the 2024, now that they're building facilities, planning to build uh, cricket facilities elsewhere in the United States, 
to create a U.S. team of cities, you know, uh, teams placed in cities around it, traveling to the different ones to play each other. Well, those games will be somewhat more substantial. So, I mean, I could see a league with six to eight teams, uh, one up in the New York, New Jersey area. Theoretically, you could do two up there, depending on how they do it. One in the Chicago area. They talk about Houston or Dallas, maybe both. Definitely California. Uh, you could do one in Los Angeles. You can do one in Silicon Valley area. Those were the sites that I understand. I don't know if there's a possibility in the DC area, uh, but those are the basic areas. And if they can create a US league, basically the major league soccer, uh, MLS soccer model, which I proposed years ago, and name it after the adjacent city. So it has an identity to people because if you said the Orange County, whatever, well, where's Orange County? I don't know. If they call it the Broward, whatever, what's Broward County? Now, the only thing I did ask back then is you do not call it the Fort Lauderdale, whatever, because it's not Fort Lauderdale. You have to call it the Lauderhill. Rikers, I don't know. What, what was a good cricket term that I, I can't think of a cricket term offhand to call them, but they call it the Lauderhill, not the Fort Lauderdale, which is the bigger, you know. The, the funny thing is Fort Lauderdale, it, it's not even the county seat. Broward County is the county seat. Fort Lauderdale is the right now the largest city in Broward County, and it's only about 9-10% of the county. And Pembroke Pines is almost as big as Fort Lauderdale. And Lauderhill is around three, four percent of the county, so we're a little less than we're about forty percent of the population of Fort Lauderdale, because we have thirty-one cities in the county. It was never developed as a true urban area. If it was, then Fort Lauderdale would have encompassed most of the county, which it never did. It's kind of an odd creation. It's not like Miami is. Right. Miami is clearly the largest. You know. But they, on on the topic of the franchise competition, they are trying to organize that. So these investors who are backing it, Major League Cricket is what they're trying to launch in 2023. And at the start, it's intended to be a 16 competition. The intention is that is, 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 is that right? Is what I said basically right? Oh so yeah, the, the intention is to have six six locations, and at the moment. The Which most ones? likely venues would be because it's also got to be in infrastructure dependent. Lauder Hill, Morrisville, North Carolina. And you say Lauder Hill, it's Lauder Hill, not Fort Lauderdale. You keep going on about this point. I find it fascinating. Morrisville has had great success, even though they're considered a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina. Morrisville has had great success at building their well, brand at Church Street Park in Morrisville. So people have continuously associated the facility there as and the team the local teams there is Morrisville teams not Raleigh teams or not not any other it's, it's uh, oh that's good to know I'm, not I'm you know not trying not the triangle uh team but it's 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 Morrisville they're very specific about yeah. that and they've had great success and then Dallas they're trying to build a new facility in Dallas and like you said up in San Francisco and Morgan Hill out in the valley there they're trying to build facility there and the other options Ideally, yeah, New York City, New York, New Jersey, but the space and the issue there is trying to find a facility they convert convert to a turf wicket in order to meet the standards that the other facilities have, like Lauderhill and 
Morrisville and well, like they, could yeah. Indianapolis pop back into the scene. Indianapolis has been dormant, but you never know if it could wake up again because of renewed opportunities and it having a turf wicket there, or is it still going to be dormant? So they're trying to get things going, but whether or not it succeeds, time will tell. Well, the first international cricket game occurred in New York City, which is now the location of a low-income apartment building, I believe. No, I, I think it's actually the location. It's, it's actually a department store. I think it's just either department Century. It's Manhattan. It's a Century 21 department store is what's there now in Lower well, Manhattan. That down, put back the cricket facility. <laughs> you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can always do that. So, well, that, that, that is now you, is it called major league cricket now? That's what they, that's what they're branding it as. So they've started up a preliminary competition called minor league cricket, which is a lower scale franchise competition that has 27 or 28 teams in its first official season, which just happened this past year. And Lauder Hill did have a team, but this is going to upset you, Mayor Kaplan. They did not call it Lauder Hill. They called them the Fort Lauderdale strikers. Why, why, why? Why am I not surprised? Okay. Hey, that's really, you know, that's, that's horrible, but what the heck? Oh, uh, no, that, I, I take it. They, they call it, sorry, I, even I couldn't get it right. The Fort Lauderdale Lions. The Fort Lauderdale Lions. That's interesting because the team, the name of the teams in Lauder Hill are the Lauder Hill Lions. That is what we call our teams in Lauder Hill, the Lauder Hill Lions. There were, there were two teams. So there were the Florida Beamers. And the Fort Lauderdale Lions, they they totally shafted Waterhill, Mayor Kaplan. Yeah, what are you gonna do? So what what, what are you gonna do? You, you can't you, you can't do much about it. That that's a now. What I don't just to let you know, years ago, they started up a group called Major League Cricket, and there were some other ones which Usaka shot down. That was, yeah, so so that was, I think, in 2005, 2006, there was another attempt to get something going, and it was under that branding, and it, yeah, ran into interference. You the told the players, any cricket players that play in MLK, in Major League Cricket would be banned yep. from sanction games in the future. Yep. They told them that, so, and they refused to work with them. So I never understood what the purpose of Yusaka was, what their attempt was to do. What is your number one most memorable interaction with anybody to do with Yusaka? Well, I told you the one of them where he called me on the phone before the game with the sanctioning. I will tell you the last one. We, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. This is before things started to really blow up and before I sent that infamous letter to the ICC and oh, it had to be 2012-13. Yep, 2013. Yeah, things are going, basically was saying, do something or this is over. That was, it was sort of a, uh, it was another riot act thing that if you don't do something, this whole thing's going to blow up. That's the end of it. Nothing I can do. But before that, I remember I was at City Hall and they were trying to do something. And nobody was able to get Yusaka to agree to anything. And I remember Leslie and a couple other people came to me. I was probably in Leslie's office or so, or somebody. And they said, Mayor, you have a relationship, a good relationship with Dainty. Do you think that maybe you can call him and talk to him and see if there's anything you could do? And I said, absolutely. 
you know, I really had this attitude, which was, I'll do it until they tell me I can't do it. Honest to God, I can't tell you how many things I just did because stop me. I did this on a, a project uh, on the super target, which was originally done, which someone told me you can't do something. I said, oh yeah, yeah, go back. You can do it. Tell them I said, it's okay. And they didn't. Lots of times I just did it. I never got into trouble because of it, uh, but uh, I just, sure, why not? So we went into my office and everybody was sitting around in my office. I have a small office there. It was about six people in the office plus me. So it was maxed out in the office. And I call up. They had their phone. I think Jeff was there too. And I called up Dainty and he answered the phone. And we started off with a very nice conversation, you know, about things and everything. And then I eventually got down to business and I said, listen, we're trying to do these things. And, uh, we can't get it because UCYCLE won't sanction stuff. And that's when the conversation turned very sour relatively quickly. And it wasn't so friendly all of a sudden. And uh, it just sort of felt like, well, it's our business. It's not yours. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And it was very, uh, we did not end that conversation on the best thing. Not that I, she got upset or anything, but it, and not really harsh words, but it was just sort of, uh, that's it. We're done. And I hung up the phone. I said, well, that's pretty much it. And I think I only saw him one more time after that. And that's when Yusaka was suspended and we got that game, uh, with India and I did see him. I think I kind of said hello and that was about it. I don't think I talked to him more than a second or two. And that was pretty much it. That was kind of memorable, but you know, I had time on my side. He did not. So eventually you can stop you, you can stop people for a while, but it's possible if people really want it, it keeps moving forward. And if you get the right people and you get the money and you get the support, you know, things change. And they did, and they've changed for the better. So now they have games going on, they got CPL. I, I mean, I don't live in the South Florida area anymore. I try and keep up on some stuff. I mean, I've been gone now, what is it, three years? Yeah, it's been three years since I- Last gone. term. So you served as mayor from 1998 to 2018. Yep. November 20th, 2018, 12 noon. Today's episode of the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket is also sponsored by Musa Cricket Stadium, the first and original turf wicket facility in the state of Texas, and now one of the premier venues for the minor league cricket T20 franchise tournament. Located at 5515 McKeever Road in Perryland, five miles off the Bailey Road exit from State Route 288 and a half hour south of downtown Houston, Musa Cricket Stadium includes fully enclosed locker rooms and change rooms plus shower facilities after a day's play, as well as outdoor nets for all your training needs. For more information, call 713-534-2195. That's Musa Cricket Stadium in Perryland, Texas. Let me ask you this. So you talk about all these interactions with USAC and Dainty in particular. Where does Dainty or other USACA politicians and officials, where do they rank in terms of the scale of difficulty in terms of political interactions and people you have to deal with compared to the day-to-day political interactions you would have with people in South Florida? You have to understand something. Like I said before, as far as cricket goes, I was kind of a cheerleader, what you need my help with, but 
it was the other people that I worked with that really pulled the load. So cricket was pretty easy in a sense for me. I did, I served as mayor, as a commissioner. I did a lot of things because it was, to me, it was so much fun. It was the road less travels. In my case is the road that didn't exist. So I was always amazed that people allowed me to do these things that, I mean, I felt I had a charmed life that this was fun. This wasn't the hard work politically dealing with people. No, I mean, I got to interact with some fantastic people over the years, some wonderful people, prime ministers, council generals, ambassadors, people running organizations, ICC, the West Indies Cricket Board. It was an incredible journey. I mean, I have to be thankful for all those people that allowed me over the years the opportunity to do what I did and to accomplish the things that I was able to be partake in. Because, I mean, there's some wonderful people. There are wonderful people in the city, in the county. Yes, I had to deal with a couple of uh, dainties. There was one in the county I had to deal with. Some people that were, they were being realistic, so it was difficult to work with at times, uh, but not impossible. They weren't saying no necessarily. And I mean, I dealt with more difficult people that lived in the city itself. I had sometimes, at times, I had more difficult people that I worked with on a, the city commission that came up quite regularly. So, uh, but, you know, over the years, I feel I accomplished a lot. And would I do a few things differently over time? Yes. Do I miss not uh, being able to partake in some of these wonderful things going on? God, yes. I've already told my wife I'm going to be at the 2024 T20 Games. I will attend that. Nobody may remember me by then, but I'll still be there. I'll buy myself a regular ticket and sit in the stands. I don't care. I'll drive over and I'll watch the games. Maybe I'll stay at a hotel. I don't know. I'm not, you know, Let's see how things go in three years. And I do miss the ability to be involved with the process. I mean, that is something, you know, people still call me occasionally if they need my advice. I'm more of a consultant than anything else these days. Uh, I'm not so much a facilitator like I used to be, but I love it. And uh, all the people I was working with. So what can I say? Brings back a lot of memories. In terms of all your political accomplishments, where does getting the stadium approved and built in Waterhill and galvanizing the start of big level cricket to forward into the U.S., where does that rank in terms of all of your political achievements? Definitely in the top five, probably in the top three. I don't like ranking so much. It's like picking who's your favorite child. Fortunately, I only have one, so that's easy. And he's not into cricket. He's into tennis and, and soccer, but he's not into cricket. Yeah, so I don't like ranking him, but it's a, an incredible accomplishment to go from literally nothing on the international front to having something that's going to host a world cup game that is fascinating it really is that that's up there um yeah i'm very pleased about that your opportunities over the years to make friendships and relationships with various 
cricket personalities in South Florida, people in the local community. You've mentioned Leslie Trepepe, who's now Leslie Johnson, who has been very influential in the mayor's office and relationships with the cricket community there. She's married to a former USA national team player, Mark Johnson. She's now Mark Leslie Johnson, married to Mark Johnson. They've got a wonderful family. Two beautiful lovely, lovely kids. family. Absolutely. I don't know if the kids are into it, but maybe. I assume they are. <laughs> but that's in terms of local cricket, somebody who's affiliated with USA. But then and from the West Indies tradition, you've got guys like Lawrence Rowe. You mentioned Lance Gibbs as well. Getting an yeah. opportunity to make friendships with these people who are highly influential legends of the game. Yeah. What have those experiences been like for you? Well, okay. Now, this is going to sound funny to a lot of people. When I first met Lance Gibbs in particular, but a lot of them, remember, I, I don't come from a cricket background. Oh, this is Lance Gibb. He was big into cricket. Oh, that's nice. At the time, I had no idea the stature of who these people were. If I had known that meeting Lance Gibbs would be like meeting Mickey Mantle or Sandy Koufax or, you know, people that I actually grew up knowing, that would have been something else. But Lance, all these people were, they're really great people. They're just they're just normal people that had incredible opportunities in their lifetime that established themselves and became very famous. I learned about their, how famous they were over time. But when I first met them, I didn't know necessarily who they were, but I came to know who they are. So it, it, they, they, they're wonderful people. Uh, you know, Brian and Laura, I met, and Chris, and all these other people. I mean, the people from New Zealand, I mean, at one point, I think it was kind of funny because they, people asked me, who's your favorite cricket team? And I did not want to say the West Indies because that's everybody in South Florida, their best team. So I adopted the New Zealand cricket team. <laughs> so they're my international, they're my favorite cricket team is New Zealand because I figured, okay, they're usually pretty good. They're up there and they came, they visited, they played in our stadium. So I picked them besides they make great wine in New Zealand that I really like. <laughs> I do want to visit them. I will be going down there in uh, 2024. I'm going to be going down there. I got a world cruise coming up 2024. That's after all this garbage goes past. We're hoping everything. <laughs> That's why we're not doing a heck of a lot. But uh, yeah, that that I can't even remember all the people that I know. And I go and I travel and I run into them. They remember me. Well, I like I told you, I'm outstanding. I stand out. And so they all remember me. He's the one guy, you know, the one white guy, whatever. You know, it's it's been incredible. You've mentioned talking about the book you've got in the works. Cricket, Lovely yeah. Cricket is the working title you've got for it. So as somebody who's had now two decades worth of life experiences in cricket from a very unique perspective yeah. as the mayor of a city, that's had such an influential place in American cricket history in the recent times. What should people expect to read in Cricket Lovely Cricket? I've actually told you several of the stories that are in the book, but there's a lot more involved. Maybe I go in a little more detail with different things. It really helps understand how cricket, particularly in South Florida, but to a great extent, cricket in the United States internationally, nationally and internationally is 
has been developed over the last 20 plus years. Next year it should be. I've already put out two books, not on cricket. One on South Florida uh, about Lauderhill. Uh, in politics, there are no friends. And that's on Amazon and the regular sources. That's there. And another book I just released called The Russian, and that is nonfiction, memoirs of my first years in uh, politics up to about 2003. And then the other book is The Russian Escape that just got came out. Uh, but that's historical fiction, nothing to do with cricket. Kind of tells you about a little of my background because it's based on the story of my grandfather coming to the United States. So that's something else. Off on a tangent. I have a tendency to do that. I'm retired. I can do things like that. Now. <laughs> but the cricket book, third time's a charm. You got you finally got the cricket one uh, as your third book yeah. coming out. Yes. And when should people hopefully expect that? You say sometime in 2022. Next year, if I can get Jeff to help me and send his notes to me. Jeff, if you're listening, that might move him on it. <laughs> I sent it to Jeff Miller to review over. He's got some notes and he told me, he's the one that told me, I have to change the end of the book now. So, because uh, we got, I was talking about hopefully getting World Cup games in the future and he's the one that told me we got them. So I got to change the book a little bit. I already did a little. So hopefully that'll be something people can look forward to in the yes. build up to the 2024 World Cup for anybody who's looking to get a better sense of the history of what's going on right. in Waterhill and Waterhill cricket, then there's not we'll, a lot of books about history of cricket. Really? No. Not, and, not, not, not Florida, the United States. No, there are none. So it's a unique, it's a new venue. Do you know of a publisher would like to run it? Just let me know. <laughs> cricket, lovely yeah. cricket is the one that people should keep their eyes out right. for sometime in 2022 all right fantastic all right mayor kaplan it is time for the favorite 11 11 questions about things cricket and non-cricket so are you ready to rock and roll sure go ahead now you said you've been on a few cricket tours you mentioned the one going down to south america i always ask this question just about everybody on the show who is your favorite roommate on any cricket tour i've never had a roommate i'm the mayor <laughs> That's a good answer. Yes. Your favorite now, proudly wearing the maize and blue. Yes. Michigan on your shirt. Very specific about that. Don't dare yeah. have anybody say yellow and blue or gold. It's maize and blue. If you're a That's Michigan right. Leader. Maize means corn in Indian, Indian language. So that's what maize is, corn. And it means a hell of a lot of college football and college basketball history as well. Yes. Your and hockey, few others and hockey yes hockey i, I can't uh, leave out the hockey team national champions yeah. i believe on multiple occasions yes they have also women's softball done very well uh a couple other teams yeah so okay <laughs> quite a tradition there in the maize and blue the michigan wolverines so mm -hmm. as a graduate yeah I'm a graduate. what is your favorite michigan wolverine sports moment Oh, the 1997 uh, world champion football team. But if you're talking about when I was there. doesn't um, have to be when you were there. Well, it could be both. Anytime beating so. Ohio State is my favorite. Anytime beating Ohio State is my favorite. <laughs> it was particularly nice when Shem Beckler was there that beat Woody Hayes. That, I think that's 76 it was. Because that was just, that was the best. But the 97 team, 97 team, you say, went to the Rose Bowl, beat Washington State in the Rose Bowl. It was Charles Woodson, won the Heisman Trophy that year against Ryan Lee in the Rose Bowl. Defensive, 
Only defensive player that's ever won the Heisman. They really should rename it the Heisman Trophy to be the top offensive player of the year because the defensive side has no chance. In fact, it's almost always quarterbacks now. Sometimes a running back or a wide receiver. So it's kind of unfair. It's skewed. But Charles Woodson got it, 97. Charles Woodson did. Over, you know who he beat? Peyton Manning. That's right, Peyton Manning. You know, you can't argue they were both excellent at their time. And a lot of Heisman Trophy candidates really flame out. Well, well, it was almost a curse for the longest time. It was a curse to win the Heisman. Nobody ever did anything when they went to the NFL because Desmond Howard is a great example of that. Desmond Howard wins the Heisman, and he had a very mediocre NFL career. He was a first-round draft pick. But didn't he win a Super Bowl and was named MVP? But uh, for special teams, though, he returned to kickoff for a touchdown for the Packers in that Super Bowl that, that they won. won. The MVP, that's all that counts. <laughs> it's still something. But look at it. Ohio State had a quarterback won the Heisman Trophy, was a six-round draft pick, and totally flamed out. Your favorite cricket match at Broward County Stadium. Oh, I told you that one. Uh, that was the one where they did that score that they ran they, that ran up between uh, West Indies and India. That's by far the best cricket match I've ever seen anywhere. Other than the one cricket match that I was in where, uh, well, I out hit Jeff Miller, if he's watching. <laughs> now, but that was that at Broward County Stadium, though? No, that was at the uh, cricket field at the sports, at the Lauder Hill Sports uh, Park in, uh, in Lauder Hill. That's where we played. But your favorite match at Broward County Stadium, 2016, the first T20 West Indies in India, 245 plays 244. Yeah. That, that was the best cricket match I've ever seen. Uh, the only other one would have been the first time we ever played was in the Sri Lanka game that we played New Zealand because it was the first of what we hope was going to be a at least an annual event, plus CPL, but a few bumps on the road, eventually got there. Your favorite cricket ground experience that you've had as a player or as a fan outside of Waterhill? Well, I did like it in Lima, Peru. I told you about that. My first cricket game was in Trinidad between India and the West Indies where I sat with the ambassador. But as an experience, I got to tell you this really funny story. A couple of years ago, my wife and I did a cruise and uh, my son did join us for part of the cruise or whatever, but we spent some time in London. My wife, Lynn, is a Beatles fanatic. Now she's also a fish fanatic for those that know fish. But she's a Beatles fanatic, and she wanted to see Abbey Road. No problem. Get into a cab. They called me governor, uh, which is mayor, but governor's good. Uh, (laughs) That's kind of funny. And I look at the map, and I look where we are, and I look where Abbey Road is, and I look in between. I'm going, are we going anywhere near Lourdes? He said, oh, we're going by. I said, honey, would you mind if we stop? And I just want to see Lourdes. And she said, okay, are we going out of the way? I said, no, 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 not really. He said, I told the driver, could you on the way back stop us by Lourdes? So uh, on the way back, we stopped. Now there is a minor cricket game going on. And um, there's a guy at the ticket booth. And I said, listen, I don't want to buy a ticket to the game. I just want to see the grounds. This is Lourdes. This is the found, this is where cricket all starts or whatever. And I just want to go and see it. And I told him who I was and what I was doing. And he said, okay, don't see anything. Just see those stairs. Go up there to the top of it. Don't make sure no one really sees you. Just go up there and 
take a look. So I go up there and I take a look and I see people, there's playing and there's a few people in the stands and I look around and I look at the facility and I'm going, oh my goodness, this is Lord's. And that was really a great experience. And I mean, I've seen some nice facilities and stuff. This was a, they keep it in great shape, of course, but I'd love to actually be at Lord's during an actual game that I'd sit and watch that I wanted to see. But that was a unique experience. It's kind of like, I guess, going to Mecca or something like that. So anyone who's into really cricket, just to go see the stadium where it is, that's kind of nice. That was a great experience. So, Lord, just being able to be at Lord's, and yeah, it is right near Abbey Road. You look on the map, right near Abbey Road, St. John's Wood, Lord's, it's right there. Uh, And then this game in Trinidad, this was at Queen's Park Oval, 2003. 2003, yeah. Yeah, I believe that's where it was, yes. Yeah, okay. And I was wondering why everyone was sitting outside the stadium party and the game's going on inside. Nobody (laughs) wanted to come in. They just wanted to party. See their friends, they're just walking around, they're eating in there. It's a it's like carnival, they're just having a great old time. You know, to me, it's a it's it's really a it's a party with a game going on. Now, towards the end, yeah, they started paying attention, but not a good part of it. That's why one one days are a little bit long, I guess, for people. The T20 is a little more you got to watch it because the game's gonna be over before you know it. It's like baseball. Your favorite cricketer of all time. Well, Lance Gibb, I guess, though I never saw him play. And why Lance Gibbs. Tell us why, as a person, just as a person and a friend, why Lance Gibbs is your favorite cricketer. He's he's just absolutely a wonderful person. He's always been there for cricket. He is kind of the Babe Ruth of Caribbean cricket. The best player I ever saw was Brian Lara. So he'd probably be my favorite player. Uh, Well, Chris was really good, but I saw Brian play a couple of times, I believe. So Brian Lara was kind of big. I met him, I think, once, and he signed my or gave me an autograph. I think, I got in a bet somewhere. I know I got Chris's autograph. Um, Your favorite non cricket athlete of all time, Al Kaline. That is a very left field choice. Detroit Tigers, Al Kaline. Yeah, and closely behind is Gordy Howe, which was a neighbor of my cousin, Mister Hockey. Yeah, he lived on the street from my, and my cousin said he went to school with his sons that became professional. So he'd go over his house. I never got a chance to do that. So, Gordy, that'd be a second. One of my first gifts that I got that was autographed, I think it was a, either a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. My oldest brother got Gordy Howe's autobiography autographed and gave it to oh, me. Oh, wow. Christmas gift. His autobiography was called And How. <laughs> and uh, it, I grew up a huge hockey fan as a kid. Right. I, that was my number one sport. And so for my brother to get an autographed hockey of Gordy Howe's autobiography, even even though, again, Gordy Howe, had last time he played was in the late 70s, early 80s, when he was, I think, in his 40s yeah. or 50s. Wow, um, listen with his sons. That was amazing. Played with the Whalers. He had the Hartford Whalers with Mark yeah. Howe and forget the other son's name. But um, um marty and mike marty and mark i think mark was mark, one. Mar- marty and mark marty and mark i was a huge devils fan growing up the devils were my hockey team is a local local team that we fell in love with in in the 90s you got to see them win three stanley cups 95 2000 2003 you're a bit younger than me yeah so yeah just a little bit but you know gordy howe's career was long long gone but yes. wayne gretzky and gordy howe were like up here in terms of childhood idols 
I got to see Wayne Gretzky's last game. I got to see it and I saw how he, I saw how he was so successful, how he scored. And I couldn't understand why other teams didn't pick on it. Because most players are always engaged, always engaged. He had a tendency of holding back and becoming disengaged so everyone forgot he was there. And then he'd just jump right in, get the puck and shoot it. I'm serious. That's how I saw him do it. He just would just sort of meander around by himself and kind of be, you know, come blend into the background. So people forgot that he was there. Well, the other thing I remember about Wayne Gretzky, too, that just told me of his stature when I was a kid. My mom was not a sports person. My dad was a huge sports fan, but my mom could care less about sports. Mm. But one of the first times that we had a babysitter for anything that my parents needed to leave us at home alone for was when the uh, L.A. Kings came to Madison Square Garden to play the Rangers. And my dad got tickets to go see the game and my dad was not a Rangers fan we were Devils fans but it was all about seeing Wayne Gretzky and again my mom couldn't care less about sports couldn't care less about hockey she was actually the one who wanted my dad to get the tickets because she wanted to see Wayne Gretzky that's how big of a deal Wayne Gretzky was <laughs> towards the end of his career no this would have been 89 90 so it was just after he came to the Los Angeles Kings he'd been traded from the Oilers to the Kings he retired in 98 so his last game was 98 99 when he played for the Rangers and his last season or two in New York uh, playing for the Rangers. And I think his last game was against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But this is late 80s, early 90s when he was still with the Kings as a visiting player coming to Madison Square Garden. And I was only five or six years old at the time. But I remember like, if this is important enough that my parents are getting us a babysitter, you know, it must be a pretty big deal if this Wayne Gretzky guy is, is coming to town. And the more I, I got into sports, the more I appreciated how, how significant he was. And I'm forever bitter. Yeah. And ESPN's Sports Century top 50 greatest athletes of all time that they put Michael Jordan number one and Wayne Gretzky, I think, was second or third, because to me, Wayne Gretzky will always be the greatest athlete of all time. I have to tell you the hockey story real quick about the Panthers. My wife was not going to watch this, I'm sure, so I can say it. I took her to a Panthers game when they were down in Miami in their first season, and we were in the fifth row corner, great seats. And she was loving the game. She actually, she never really got into hockey, but she was loving the game, really enjoying it all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, somebody gave an elbow to one of the Panthers player and blood came out of his nose. And my wife said, oh my God, and it totally turned off, never watched hockey again. That was the end. The blood was coming out <laughs> to the ice. She did not like that at all. <laughs> that sounds pretty tame. Wait, did, did they even drop the gloves? No, no, he was bleeding too much. <laughs> I think someone else came over, but they didn't start a thing. He was, it was pretty bad, actually. It came right onto the third. I think they had to take him off the ice for a little bit to pack him off. <laughs> Just stitch it up. 20 minutes later, he's back out there. No big deal. Probably was, yes. Your favorite place to eat out on tour or away from home. So outside of Water Hill, outside of any other home venue, where's your favorite place to eat out on the road? Oh, and I've ate at some incredible places around the world. The first thing that popped into mind, amazingly enough, was a restaurant near Kenny Bumport, Maine, named Noonan's, where they pull their lobsters. It's a little red shack. They pull the lobsters right out of the water. You have it. They serve. You can have coleslaw, which you do, a nice Sauvignon Blanc wine, and Maine blueberry pie. That's the first thing that popped into my head. I've only ate there maybe four or five times, but that's incredible. Newton's. N-O-O-N-A-N, I believe it is. 
It's near Port. It's in Porpoise Bay, right outside of Kennebunkport, Maine. Sounds like and a good Irish place. But I've been in a lot of restaurants. I'm sure I'll, afterwards I'll think of someplace else that was amazing. But uh, that's the first one that came up. Are uh, you a Coke or a Pepsi guy? Absolutely Coke, but I do invest in Pepsi. <laughs> Pepsi's the better stock, but Coke is I like much better. Coke Zero, actually. That's that, I'll accept that. It's an acceptable answer. Coke is my preferred so, drink. So, but I can understand for good. financial reasons if the Pepsi stock is doing better. Pepsi stock does much better. It owns Frito Lay and Quaker. What the heck? They've diversified their portfolio much better, much better than Coca-Cola. Right. Your favorite pizza topping? Mushrooms. Your favorite movie of all time? The Big Chill. The Big Chill. You don't know that story. Oh, no. That. This is 1980s. Glenn Close, I believe. Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Who else yeah, is in there? Do you know what the movie centers around? The plot? It's a funeral. They go back to see a, a funeral for one of their friends, and it's a reuniting. Exactly. And where were they all together at? I don't remember. University of Michigan. <laughs> See? Love that. Great music in that story. Jeff Goldblum, uh, Glenn Close, All-Star Kick, Kevin Klein, um, uh, William Hurt, All-Star Cast. I have to go rewatch it. I totally forgot about the University of Michigan. University of Michigan. They're watching a Michigan football game during it with Schembechler. Your favorite show to binge watch, whether it's on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, a DVD box set, when you've got all the time in the world, what is your go-to show to binge watch? I'm one of those people, once I binge watch a show and I finish it, I don't go back and watch it again. For some reason, it runs in my head, so I remember it all. So I'm constantly looking for new ones. Is there anything that you've binge watched already that would you would say was your favorite? The Queen's Gambit was awfully good. It was awfully good. Yeah, that was a really good one I like. I would recommend that for people. They're not into chess at all. Chess, I would not think they would, but it was overall a really good uh, show. It really was. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to kick myself later on and going to go watch something going, shoot, I should have said that. The shame about that one is because of the way it was constructed, it's basically impossible to extend it into a second season. It ties up and ends very well. So it's very hard to extend it into an ongoing series. But for the one season or one series that it was, it was outstanding. You know, honestly, they sh- there are some movies they shouldn't make it. They were trying to look to do an Elf 2, and that keeps failing. So they have not. Elf by itself is a great movie. No sequel needed there's a lot of stuff that should not be made into sequels and very often when they make a sequel it fails miserably i mean santa claus was a great movie santa claus 2 was a good movie santa claus 3 was not such a great movie you know just stick with the regular santa claus i'm fine home alone 1 and 2 they were both good home alone 3 the remake hmm. it would be like i mean the last thing by the way the last thing i'd ever want to see is one of my favorite movies it's a wonderful at this time of year it's a wonderful life God, I sure hope they don't remake that movie. They just remade West Side Story. I'm not so sure. I really hope they don't make a modern version of West of um, It's a Wonderful Life because that movie stands on its own. I'll never forget there was an ad campaign. 
I forget if it was for a sports center or for something else ESPN related where they were asking all these people what their favorite movie of all time was. And a number of players, especially baseball players, bring off the list Caddyshack, 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 favorite movie, Caddyshack, Caddyshack, Caddyshack. And then they say, what's the worst movie of all time? Caddyshack 2. <laughs> they made a Caddyshack too. Okay, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I think it was Jackie Mason replaced Rodney Dangerfield in the lead role, and it was just awful. Oh yeah, I think I remember something about it. Mayor Richard Kaplan, former mayor of Waterhill, Florida, thank you for coming on the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast. I'll give you thank the final you. word. Anything else you want to say that you feel people should know about you, your journey in cricket, and what's coming up in store in your book cricket lovely cricket only that i'm retired i'm enjoying my time in florida and vermont and traveling and now that i don't get to see as much cricket my son has gotten me into the english premier league so i'm much more into soccer and fantasy soccer really does help that a lot (laughs) so uh i want to go and tour the english premier league games with my son that's what i want to do memo to any cricket administrator out there in the u.s or elsewhere Fantasy cricket, that's the gateway to get people engaged in cricket. Fantasy cricket might actually, you know, they could do an international fantasy cricket. They absolutely could. I don't know why not. It's worked for soccer. It's worked for football. They do it for a few other sports. Why not? Second biggest sport in the world. You'll see fantasy IPL leagues done and and certain other things with just condensed competition in a World Cup. They'll do a fantasy competition for a World Cup. So 2024, T20 World Cup in the USA, the gateway to get everybody engaged is to promote the hell out of the 2024 T20 World Cup fantasy cricket competitions. I'll I'll try and do what I can. I'm playing to be at those games, so make sure I get tickets, you know. (laughs) Mayor Richard Kaplan. Thank you so much again for coming on the podcast and thank you for everything you've done for cricket in South Florida and America. Well, there you have it from former Waterhill Mayor Richard Kaplan. Once again, a reminder to be on the lookout for his book, Cricket, Lovely Cricket, which is the working title at the moment, and he believes that will be published at some point later this year, so keep your eyes peeled for that. I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to the Stars and Stripes Cricket Podcast presented by Dream Cricket on Patreon. Everybody who has come aboard on Patreon thus far, I appreciate everybody's support, and it goes a long way to help making sure the podcast gets produced on an episode-by-episode basis go to patreon.com to become a subscriber today and also to get the latest episodes subscribe to the podcast on youtube spotify anchor fm apple podcasts google podcasts and many other podcasting platforms to get the latest episodes of the stars and stripes cricket podcast whenever they are released that's it for this episode i'm peter delpenner reminding everybody god bless america and god bless american cricket